The purpose of a season is not to endure it, but to evolve from it. We can learn from our past seasons to better prepare for the future ones. Hey, my name is Lisa, and I'm a small-town mama with the audacity to believe that slowing down is the new keeping up, and joy is what makes a life successful. On the clock, I'm helping creative entrepreneurs to define their goals, gain social communication skills, take intentional action towards their dreams, and learn strategies for mindful marketing and sustainable success in their lives. Off the clock, I'm raising three beautiful and spirited children with my husband to know that they are safe to dream, question everything, be exactly who they are, use their voices, change their minds, and be weird unapologetically because life is just too short to waste it on fearing ourselves. This podcast is about how I'm learning to be my best in both roles and leave enough room for rest, recovery, and inventive imagination in my life as an example to myself, my kids, and anyone else that needs to know that it is possible. If you're interested in conversations about business, parenting, marketing, relationships, emotional health, or strategies to promote deeper presence in our lives, I think you might like it here. We can trade burnout for boundaries. We can trade perfectionism for patience. We can trade hustle for happy. This is The Joyful Enough with me, Lisa Holloway. When I say the phrase seasons of life, what do you think of? Most of us think of a season of life as a large time frame, like a decade, our 20s, 30s, 40s, and so on, or even as entire generations where we group seasons into categories like child, parent, grandparent. When we think of the word season all on its own, those time frames drastically get cut down to each only being a few months, few weeks, or fleeting, sporadic moments in time depending on where you live. Here in Oklahoma, I find myself wishing we had a lot more spring and fall than blistering summers and frigid winters, but Mother Nature isn't returning my calls. I guess she's like busy or whatever. As an entrepreneur, I've come to realize that seasons in my business can change by the day, and as a parent, seasons in my life feel like they change by the minute sometimes. Some days feel like sunshine and rainbows, while other days feel like torrential downpour with no shelter in sight. The big problem isn't that the rain will come, it's that most of us take the rain with us. We are far more likely to hold on to the dark days than the sunny ones, and that convinces us that we're stuck in a season of rain when really it was just a couple of storms that blew through our spring season. You've just got to learn to dance in the rain, they'll say. But honestly, I don't want to. I'm more of a watch the rain from my window and be thankful for this fuzzy dry cardigan that I have type, and I'm finally comfortable with that. That's not to say that I think someone else can't have a great time dancing in the rain. It's just not for me, fam. I believe you can respect the rain for the work that it can do for your life without allowing it to soak you to the bone. And that's what I want to talk about today. How do we respect the seasons of our life and allow them to come and go without taking our joy with them? The first step is naming our seasons and getting familiar with how each one affects us. To keep it simple, I came up with four seasons for myself and paralleled them in my mind to the four weather seasons. Spring, the season of growth. Summer, the season of abundance. Fall, the season of change. 
and winter, the season of enough. The next step is to decide whether you will be the weather man or the weather machine in your story. There is technically a third option. You could decide to become or stay weather blind, but my guess is that if you are here to listen to this crazy analogy, you're interested in how to apply this for change in your life and not for more of the same. So it's going to be one of the first two options. Let me explain the difference. The weatherman can identify the seasons you are currently in and maybe even the upcoming season. They can predict what kind of weather you can plan for during that time, and this can be effective. But the forecast capabilities here are inexact and typically short-lived. You can only see a short distance into the season future, if you will. This would be like starting a new business and predicting that it's going to be hard to get it off the ground at first, and you'll need to have a plan in place to make sure that you can financially survive that startup time. Or like planning to have a baby and going through the nesting stage to prepare for their arrival. You know what you can expect, at least for the most part, and you can do some preparations. But you also understand that you are basically guessing and hoping for the best. The weather machine, however, sets the season for themselves and allows any conflicting seasons or unexpected weather happening around them to pass without necessarily changing their own chosen season. This looks like staying your course when your friends or family don't understand your new business. Or like remaining calm when your child throws a tantrum so as to not add to their storm. The big difference between the two is how much outside forces tend to affect what season we place ourselves in. Weathermen are deeply compassionate, considerate, and wildly loyal, but can struggle with people-pleasing and self-regulation. They tend to look for signs outside of themselves to base their choices and actions on, like waiting to see what kind of mood your boss is in to determine how you will structure your own day. They also tend to lack confidence in making choices that go against the grain of what is expected, like being able to make the choice to parent your children differently than your parents did for you. You may feel like making those choices openly would cause your parents to think they did it wrong and therefore cause them to take offense to your choices. If this is you, practice checking in on yourself and asking questions that are specific to the moment or feeling that you're trying to work through. Don't feel like you have to avoid the what-if thoughts. Go ahead and play them out. What if your boss comes in and immediately rips into you because they're having a bad day? How does that usually play out for you? Is that an acceptable outcome or is an adjustment needed? What can you do to protect your peace in this situation? What if your parents take offense to your choices? How could you respond to that? Would you be proud of the way you handled yourself if you witnessed that moment from someone else's point of view? What would actually happen if your worst-case scenario played out? Now, weather machines are confident, empathetic, detail-obsessed, and incredible problem solvers. But they tend to struggle with decision fatigue and social isolation. They tend to need structure in their schedule because they are typically functioning on overload as a standard. 
Changes that are unaccounted for, even small ones, can send their stress levels into orbit. This can look like an emotional reaction that doesn't seem to fit the situation, like a screaming rage over spilled coffee or a depressive episode after a seemingly small incident. They also tend to be the hypothetical glue that holds their team, family, or social circle together. The weight of that responsibility tends to cause them to keep a smaller, more manageable circle, and that can create feelings of social disconnect. They may also find it difficult to shut off their working function and rest or recover, which we know can lead to burnout. If this is you, make it a regular part of your routine to take inventory of your life. How are you handling the weight of your responsibilities? If something unexpected was to come up, would you be able to adjust your plan without a meltdown? Are you successfully able to rest and recover right now? It might feel less than motivational for me to spend five whole minutes pointing out the downfalls to both of these types, but I think it's important to discuss the issues that we can face in either role. Awareness is critical for healing, and that's the goal here. I've had clients that were completely one, or the other, and I've had clients that were a healthy or not-so-healthy mix of the two. I personally find that my default mode is weather machine, but I have a tendency to slip into a destructive form of weatherman after a meltdown, when I've extended myself too far in my weather machine role, or when I stop upholding my own boundaries altogether. Taking care to not overload my system as a weather machine has been a huge undertaking in my life and something that I am and will continue to keep working on. But the biggest benefit of this particular role is the ability to control my seasons over simply observing them as they come to me. I fervently accept or deny my seasons and I try to do so as mindfully as I can because much like multitasking not being an actual thing, this concept is the same. You cannot be in two or more seasons at once. Instead, what you're actually doing is rapidly switching between the two, and doing so too often will only lead to burnout. Choose your season and see it through as often as possible. Let's break those down. Spring. The season of growth. When I talk about spring, the first things that come to mind are fresh flowers and new beginnings. In my life, these have been seasons of progress, whether that was mentally, emotionally, socially, financially, or whatever the case may be. The misconception about the growth stage is that this is the part where you get to sit back and enjoy the beauty of your personal development. It can be beautiful, and there are certainly moments of deep appreciation for the healing and progress that is made during this time, but this is a time of hard work. When the world shut down, we decided it was time we finally started that garden we had been talking about for years. You know, us and like half of the population. (laughs) We didn't waste time doing any real research before we ran out and just bought everything we could. And it didn't take long before we realized what a massive mistake that was. First of all, we bought way more than we needed for our family. And we didn't have any intention of trying to sell the excess. Not that farmer's market was really even a thing at this time. We had no clue what to do with the surplus, and it pains me to admit how much was wasted the first year. 
We bought the wrong soil and the wrong pots. We planted things next to each other that shouldn't have been. We planted some things too late and some things too early. And we lost a small fortune and dozens of hours of backbreaking work to that garden. But with every mistake, we learned better. And we were proud of the things that we managed to do right. Or maybe some plants were just strong enough to survive our lack of knowledge. But either way, we loved it. I specifically remember eating our first bell pepper from our own garden, and Marcus Ray and I both had a good cry over it. Just unapologetically slobbered all over each other, and it was fantastic. It only grew to be about the size of my palm, which is not impressive. And we may have also been crying, at least partially, because it killed us to actually cut it up, because it was just so cute. But we worked so hard for that pepper, and it tasted like victory. That was a season of growth for us. We crawled into bed every night with aching backs and blistered hands, but we got up every morning having learned something new the day before. Seasons of growth are exciting, and that part can carry you through them if you keep your eyes set on why you wanted this season in the first place. But it's also draining, and proper rest is a requirement. Next up, summer. The season of abundance. In this stage, the days are literally longer, warmer, and typically centered around fun. A carefree summer is something that many of us strive for, and this season feels like that. And in my experience, it always follows a season of growth. The other seasons can be arranged in different orders, this being the exception to that. Call me crazy but I believe that even unexpected abundance comes after a season of personal growth of some kind. Unless you stole it, you earned it, as far as I'm concerned. Remember that garden we were just talking about? By the end of that first summer, even after all of our mistakes and mishaps, we found ourselves in a season of abundance. We had no counter space left in our house because everywhere we looked, there was an overflowing basket of vegetables. Our herb garden was literally exploding, and the inside of our house looked like an actual jungle. We had plants everywhere, and they were flourishing. Our water bill was stupid, but who cares? We were gardening fools. It was so insanely satisfying to pick produce from my personal market in the kitchen, and it felt incredible that the last several months of hard work had given us this bounty in return. The problem? I enjoyed looking at those overflowing baskets too much to make time to figure out how to preserve what we couldn't actually eat. I thought I would have time to find a way to use it all. Spoiler alert, I didn't, and we ended up throwing so much away. It pains me more to say that now because I know I could have at least composted it, but I didn't do that either. Another thing I learned later, but that didn't save the waste of 2020. Seasons of abundance can be relaxing and magical, especially after the season of grueling internal or external work that it took to get to them. It's not necessarily about money, although that can certainly be a part of it. It's about having the freedom to take a deep breath and enjoy the figurative or literal fruits of your labor. The mistake that too many of us make is that we stop planning for anything but abundance. We forget that our resources don't necessarily renew themselves. 
Imagine that you've just spent months, maybe even years, working your tail off to earn a big promotion and you finally land it. That pay raise feels incredible. You've only ever dreamed of seeing numbers like that in your bank account. It's way more than you're used to having, so it feels like it's bottomless. The hard work is behind you and you can relax and reward yourself by moving into a new house, buying a new car, a new wardrobe, furnishing a new office. But since moving into that new position at work, you stop producing the kind of work that got you there in the first place and you are eventually let go. That season of abundance now feels like a season of scarcity because you didn't plan for your resources to not be there and you can't maintain this new lifestyle without that job. We should enjoy our seasons of abundance, but keep in mind that things can and often do change without our permission. Delegate some of those resources for use during another season. Change your mindset around abundance and what it means for your long-term plans. Speaking of change, let's talk about fall the season of change. I literally do not care how basic it makes me. I am a fall girl and I won't apologize for it. I'm not a big fan of pumpkin flavored drinks, but bring me all of the rest of it. When the leaves start changing colors because, you know, they're like dying and stuff, we lose our minds over the beauty of it all. And it's fascinating to me. When that concept is applied to our lives, it's breathtaking. Imagine being able to clearly identify the things in your life that are creating far too much work for you to maintain and being able to shed those things in a gorgeous display of self-preservation, all the while knowing that by doing so, you are protecting your potential for new possibilities of beauty in the future. I mean, sign me up, right? Letting go is really hard, especially when it comes to letting go of something that you worked so hard to have in the first place. Maybe it's delegating a portion of your hard-earned money for savings. Maybe it's setting boundaries in a relationship that has gone unchecked for far too long. Maybe it's ending that relationship when they refuse to respect your boundaries. Maybe it's letting go of a toxic self-belief that you've held onto for so long. Unfortunately, it's too easy for some of us to find comfort in what is familiar even when that thing is slowly or blatantly poisoning us. Where are my chronically busy people at? The thing that's always so funny to me to try and explain to people that don't struggle with this is that we literally don't know what to do with ourselves when we have nothing to do. A day off? You mean a day to catch up on all the things I've fallen behind on. Yeah, I do that a couple of times a month. Oh, you mean a day to do nothing? I could never. My husband can tell someone he's busy on Tuesday and give no further explanation as to why he isn't available for them. What's he busy doing? Oh, he was planning on mowing the yard that day, which will take maybe two hours. So yeah, feels like a good reason to black out the entire day. Me, on the other hand, if I have two hours in a day that are unaccounted for, which until recently was rare for me, I'm fighting the urge to start a new business. I'm kidding, but only a little. If I asked you to guess which one of us is physically healthier, would you even need to hesitate before shouting Marcus? You'd be right. It took having a doctor look me straight in my eyes and tell me that if I didn't slow down, I wouldn't see my kids grow up for me to make changes that my body has needed from me for years. 
that will not be what my children learn from me. I can change that. It's not going to happen all at once. A few leaves of that conditioning will fall away, and then a few more, over and over until someday you'll have preserved enough energy to grow new habits where the old ones once were. And it's going to be glorious. That brings us to winter, the season of enough. I am not a fan of winter. I hate the cold, and unless it's snowy outside and in Oklahoma, it rarely is. It's honestly just ugly, in my opinion. My favorite thing about winter is the excuse to stay home, light a fire, and go absolutely nowhere as often as possible. Would I prefer sunshine and temperatures that make it comfortable to sit outside instead? Of course I would. But being warm in the house with the people that I love the most is enough for me to be happy. That's why it's called the season of enough. It's a time for rest, recovery, remembering, and reprioritizing. A time for hibernation, if needed. This can be a time for grieving. It can also be a time of deep love and restoration. Sometimes we just need a break. Sometimes we just need to disappear and disconnect for a little while. Sometimes we just need to quietly observe the world around us. And that's enough. Healing happens here if we let it. As a weather machine, I don't typically choose to put myself in a season of enough. If I'm being honest, I usually end up here because of a meltdown. I'm probably going to fight this season at first and try to snap myself out of it and get back to work as fast as possible because that's just what I'm comfortable with. That's what I'm familiar with. But the hidden secret is that this is the most beautiful season of them all. When you surrender to what is enough in your life, growth, change, and abundance follow. A season of enough isn't about hiding from your life. It's about finding it again. It's about finding yourself, your core values, and your dreams again. It's about realignment, and we have to give ourselves space to do that. Enough is a whisper, and we have to allow ourselves to get quiet in order to hear it. We have to get quiet in order to ask ourselves better questions and hear the answers that live deep inside of us, the ones that we have stopped listening to a long time ago or were buried underneath the trauma we weren't able to face yet. That's you under there, and you need you. You can trust you. Whatever season of success you are in, and yes, these are seasons of success because each one has a deep, meaningful purpose on your life and can propel you forward if you lean into them. Whichever season you are in, whether you put yourself there or find yourself in a season that you predicted, trust yourself to do what you need to do to live through that season with intention and purpose. The purpose of a season is not to endure it, but to evolve from it. We can learn from our past and present seasons to better prepare for the future ones. I would love to hear what your thoughts are on this episode and this concept. You can reach out to me on Instagram. My handle is thejoyfulenough, 
or you can email me at lisa at thejoyfulenough.com. I hope that this episode has added to your basket today. Just remember, you're enough. Either way. Until next time, this has been the Joyful Enough Podcast with me, Lisa Holloway. You just finished another episode of the Joyful Enough Podcast, and you know what that means now, right, don't you? We're basically best friends, so we should probably swap emails. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter below in the show notes. There's a link for you there, or you can just reach out to me if you've got something that you want to share with me. Just email lisa at thejoyfulenough.com. Don't forget, come over and hang out with us on Instagram, and we love to see pictures and screenshots of you listening to the show, so please tag us. Until next time, sign-offs are still super weird for me, so I'll just leave you with, bye! Bye!